Welcome to the Wellness for Educators podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Kennedy. For today's episode, I'm so excited to welcome Danielle Brunson and Dr. Kaylee Arnold, the co-creators of the Namaste Project, as well as Jenny Hardin, who serves as an elementary school principal in Greenbrier County, West Virginia. Thank you all so much for being here. I want to start off by asking uh, Danielle and Kaylee, what inspired you both to start the Namaste Project? What is your mission? Sure. Um, so I was a principal for a very long time and a teacher in schools. And so working with kids, I really saw how mindfulness or just pausing throughout the day really helped with everything, you know, focus, academics, school culture. Um, and when I left the field of education to pursue my own personal practice in teaching yoga and, you know, really focusing on mindfulness, it just kept staying in the back of my head that I wanted to continue to work with kids. Um, and when Kaylee and I met through our yoga studio that we worked at, and we were just chatting quite often about how we really wanted to spread yoga in a more accessible way. And that's kind of what inspired us to come up with the idea of how can we get this practice into the hands of more people in a way that's not so intimidating? Because sometimes yoga, meditation, and mindfulness can feel like that. Um, and we've had a few different things. Like we work with adults in Atlanta in a fun yoga sessions um, where we try to make it really easy for people to try it for the first time. But with my background in education and her family being in education, um, it really just felt like schools were the place to go. And that's kind of how we birthed the idea together. And then it grew from there. And yes, and so her background was with children. My background, um, as you see, Dr. Kaylee Arnold, I'm a retired orthopedic surgeon, um, but my yoga practice and meditation practice is what pretty much saved me from probably suicide, depression, and a lot of things that physicians go through. I suffered from fish, physician burnout, which is why I'm no longer practicing. Um, but I kind of took what I learned on my spiritual journey I started coaching other doctors and then I kind of expanded to other professionals who had high stress jobs, i.e., you know, lawyers and CEOs. And I was coaching all these people. And then when I met Danielle and she was talking about education, like bing, 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 like I have so many educators in my family. I'm like, gosh, they, who needs this more than educators? So, and that's where the adult part came into. And that's why we were saying that it's really important for the adults who work with children to have a mindfulness practice so they can be effective teachers, right? They can be more effective people and then they can be more effective teachers. Yeah, Kaylee and I, I love that you brought that up because we really bonded over, um, we'd reached these great goals, right? I was like, I had left the classroom, I was leadership coaching other principals, making all this great money, you know, working my own schedule from home. And she was a surgeon, had done all of these amazing things, but we were really unhappy, you know, like it's like we had strived for all of these things that everyone told us we were supposed to have. And we, that's really what I think brought us together in our friendship as well as throughout this business is just the idea that so many adults are told that they need these things. Um, so when we work with teachers and work with schools, we always share that and let them know, you know, it's okay that you might not be really satisfied. This practice that we're going to teach you isn't just going to help you with your kids. It's going to make you find more joy in your own life. So um, I think that was just such a nice 
way for us to merge that together. And I always say the universe and we both do, we're like, this was meant to be because we both were like, hey, we're super successful, but we're going to leave this job um, despite our mothers yelling at us about it and go start this business and do things to help other people. Um, and it's been such a wonderful journey. It's such an inspiring story that that brought you two together and to establish the Namaste Project, which again, I feel like everybody needs that first thing in the morning, starting off your day. And, and it's also the idea of permitting yourself to be passionate about something. Like we, we have these storylines that we're thought to need to like stick to throughout our lives. And oftentimes, like you were saying, it's not something that you put together yourself, but you're living on everybody else's expectations of you. So it's, it's just so inspiring to hear that you, you jumped off that proverbial cliff into the unknown of starting this project with, um, with each other and to, to give it all of the passion that you have and the purpose that you have that came out of the work that you've done in the past. It's really inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. So a question for all of you, why is it important for adults to be mindful as well as the kids? Well, I think, especially if you're going to be working with children, you have to be able to have, how should I say, balanced emotions, because the people that you're working with children are not necessarily going to have control of the emotions like adults are supposed to, right? So you have to start with yourself. Um, I used to be a very reactive person. The environment I was in was very hostile. It's a bunch of arrogant men. And I was like, you know, petite woman, like kind of like literally in a big bad man's world. And the way I used to face it was to give it as much as I was taking, you know, I was very active, type A, oh, you know, pop off that type of person. But the energy I was getting back was just the same or worse. And so the world to me was just this hostile place. And when I started my mindfulness practice, my meditation and yoga, I was able to have that moment to just stop and breathe and not react. Right, just that simple thing. I would stop, breathe, think, and then respond. And as I continue to do that, not, not just at work, but in my interpersonal relationships with friends and families and you know, personal relationships, I started to see how people were reacting to me was different. And I was like, oh, this this is really something. So now the world that I see is so you know easy and carefree. I don't have people who really give me any negativity in my life because I'm not giving that off. I'm not reactive, you know, I'm calm and cool, collect. And it's so funny, people who see me now, they're like, wow, you're like so chill, like nothing ruffles your feathers. And I was like, if you had seen me like 10 years ago, <laughs> it'd have been a very different story. <laughs> um, and the people who knew me then are like, wow, like. You, you even look younger, like what's going on with you? Like, you're always so relaxed and happy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, because incorporating this mindfulness, you know, you know, we all have our days where we're off, you know, and you're not perfect every day, but if you're aware of it, like I can see myself kind of getting off track and I'm like, all right, Kaylee, you need to just settle down, breathe, you know, get on my Pilates reformer, do some yoga, whatever it is. Like you can, you can check yourself, you know, just like, I'm a Reiki master and I can feel like if my chakras are out of balance, I can, you know, kind of balance my chakras. It's the same thing. And so if you have that tool of mindfulness, 
it can just improve all of your relationships. It can improve your focus, the way that you're um, approaching life in general. And you'll see that life around you will change, which is the most beautiful part, I think. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And maybe Jenny probably will feel the same way as me. Like when it came to, to schools, um, first of all, as a parent, you know, when I'm mindful, I'm less reactive. So that's why I really feel like as an adult, when I'm trying to get my kids to learn to deal with their emotions in my home, or when I'm trying to get them to um, respond in a certain way or sit down and do their homework without having a fit, like being using these mindfulness tools with them has definitely, I've seen tremendous improvement in both of my, their school-aged children. I have a, a kindergartner and a third grader. But I notice when I'm not meditating and I'm not breathing and then they get on my nerves because they're, they're sometimes really annoying. <laughs> like, you know, I don't snap. I don't go off. You know, I'm able to recognize, hey, this is just a child behaving like a child. I don't need to be reacting in a negative way. This is completely normal behavior. So when I was observing teachers, you know, as a school leader, you're spending a lot of your time in classrooms watching what teachers are doing, right? And I would see teachers who had very little patience with kids or who um, would use what I would say like the shame method, which is, you know, why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? You didn't, what's your problem type of language with children? I really feel like mindfulness when you implement that helps the teacher to be aware as well, right? So their kids are gonna do what kids do. We have so many students in our schools right now that are dealing with so much trauma at home. I worked in a lot of Title I schools, so we had, you know, the impact of low income, um, food insecurities, all of these things, parents who were working so many jobs to be able to afford, to be able to just live, and then kids would come to school and they're responding to the teacher, right? And the teacher's not being mindful and not being aware. And it's just creating this really bad culture and this really bad dynamic in the classroom. So when we work with schools, we really focus on um, the teacher's well-being because if the teacher is calm, if the teacher is able to respond to the student and do all those wonderful things that um, Dr. Arnold was just talking about, you know, noticing, being aware, being less reactive, it just has a huge impact on the kids. And it's just so nice when you see teachers who are aware of how just those little words will have these I mean, it just would break my heart. I was like, you have to leave the classroom. You can't talk to kids this way. But as we implement mindfulness and we implement meditation, they have more joy in their life, more joy in their home. And they're just like, hey, I'm having a bad day today. Like I will see teachers who we've trained who will just acknowledge that to their kids. You know, Mr. Jones is having a rough day today. Let's try and keep it calm. I'm just letting you know. And it's beautiful. It's like, wow, you're a human, you're an adult, but you're acknowledging the fact that you're struggling today and you're letting the kids know so then they can understand that maybe it's not about them when he's not as joyful or smiley. Um, and it just creates a whole different culture. So I really feel like without the adult buy-in and without the adults having their own practice and understanding and participating, it's really hard to get the kids on board. And I'm not sure if Jenny feels the same way with her teachers, because I know I just saw it so much as a school leader when I would do observations. Absolutely. And we have been practicing mindfulness. It's required 15 minutes in the morning from eight to 8.15. If a student comes in late, they either practice mindfulness with me, but they don't go in and interrupt. And um, if teachers are mindful, then they aren't jumping down everybody's throat and, and creating more havoc 
and creating more stress in that child's life than they were. And I have quite a few teachers that will say, yeah, this is not the greatest day. And I just want you to be aware. We'll all breathe together and just, you know, don't react. And um, watching the change in my staff and change in me and my personal parenting. I've been a principal here for 10 years and we started about six years ago. And I was not mindful. I did not meditate and I would bark at my children and they listened to absolutely nothing I said. And now I have a senior and a sixth grader and my sixth grader practices yoga with me and mindfulness and he's an emotional child, but um, seeing the change in him and myself and my husband who you wouldn't think would buy in, but I notice that, and the more I practice, I notice that I can take a deep breath in the hallway when I'm running down the hallway to help with somebody who's either throwing chairs or having a really bad day. And we can relax and we can walk down the hallway and I can too, because I know they're not, it's not their fault that they're acting the way they are. It's something around them. And usually it's because adults have failed them or something like that. So if we can make school the safe place and help them have some mindful tools. And even though they go home to that trauma every day, they know how they can better deal with it and build those tools into those students. So really having the teachers on board was essential. And they know that it's a non-negotiable at this school. And they know there's 12 other schools in the county that they're welcome to go to if they don't want to buy in. That's awesome. I think, um, you know, between Kaylee and Jenny, the, the comments that you made about other people noticing after you had started practicing and then realizing that, oh, I can do that myself and having that buy-in by way of just seeing you as an example, um, it's so inspiring to think about um, you know, others being kind of like that lighthouse person in a school, in an organization, in a family, you know, and, and, you know, noticing that change and then also becoming that change yourself. I myself have a, a daily practice and it's, you know, if I don't do it, I definitely <laughs> feel the difference. And, uh, uh, you know, just uh, knowing that, that is there for me every morning. And if I'm, you know, mindful of, of doing it every morning, it's so important for me for the rest of the day and how I'm feeling. So thank you all for, for sharing that. Um, what kind of effects do the current disciplinary system have on kids? And I know that some of you have, have already gotten into this a little bit. Um, and why are Zen zones better? I will say that we got into mindfulness because I had a student that was exhausting and he beat me up all the time and he was only in first grade and we would go to my office and I knew nothing about mindfulness or anything at that time. And one day I was just done. We laid down on the floor. I put my hand on his chest. He put his hand on my chest and we just breathed together. And he just came down and I'm like, well, we need to dig into this. So I was suspending kids. Kids were acting up. I had like 24 in-school suspensions and 48 out-of-school suspensions and, you know, feeding into what you're supposed to do. And the very first year we implemented mindfulness and a 
different way of doing things. And, you know, you teach English, you teach math, you need to teach discipline. We don't punish. I mean, we don't punish if you don't know math. We teach you how to do it. So when we switched our mindset, our out-of-school suspensions dropped to four because of safe schools, and we had to. And I had two in-school suspensions that year. So I was like, holy moly, this is insane. And my um, associate superintendent loves to say, well, you know, um, Jenny's school has not gotten new teachers and new students. She still has the same people. It's just how we deal with it differently. So, I mean, we reward kids for doing what they're supposed to do. You get rewarded by getting paid. So why shouldn't our students get rewarded for walking down the hallway, being kind to each other? So they get rewarded for doing those things. And then if they mess up, then, okay, let's have a little reteach. Let's have, and you get quite a few chances to reteach before you come to see me. And it's not the big bad wolf. It's, Let's go see Mrs. Harden. She has a really cool Zen garden in her office. And <laughs> we sit down and we chat and we try to figure out what's going on and, and really get down to the point of the way things are. So the current discipline system, a lot of kids learn how to manipulate. I want to go home. I act like this. I go home. Cool. Mom and dad don't make me do anything. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. And we just keep feeding that system and create delinquents because they're not learning anything and they're, they're learning to manipulate the system. And if you can change that mindset and change it to, you're still going to have a few that have a lot of issues, but it's just a tiny few. It's not a whole school full or, you know, 10 in each classroom. It may be one in every three classrooms, but you still dig in and see what other help you can get those students. And changing that mindset has I mean, changed my life because I taught high school and I was like, you're going to do it my way. And, and then I come to elementary and like, well, let's figure this out. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's what we see in all, all schools that implement mindfulness and the way that they're um, that Jenny school's doing this with the morning and then you said the afternoon as well. Like the book ending is what we work with schools to do. And across the board, you see a decrease in the need to suspend and expel. Um, so I'm so grateful that more and more schools and districts are starting to implement this, but I'm also like, hurry up, <laughs> you know, cause we see it, the data supports it. I'm, I'm very data driven. So I, I understand, you know, I'm kind of like, you guys know this works, let's all do it together. And it's so simple um, quite often to start to implement these practices. I think that when it comes to suspension and in school or out of school, I've never been a supporter of removing a child from their learning opportunities, no matter what. So when it would come to like meetings on IEPs all the way down to the behavioral stuff, my thing is kids need to be in the classroom with their peers and their teachers as often as possible. So when we start to remove them, we're taking away their opportunity to learn, which is a disservice to them. As an educator, um, I just really am against that. So that's where I started in my own classroom and in my schools thinking about mindfulness practices as well. It was just like, I don't want, what are they gonna do when they're not here? They have to learn this math and it's giving the teacher more work, the parent more work or the kid's gonna fall behind because there's no just, okay, you know, 
this little kid acted up, we kicked them out for two days, that material still has to be learned at some way, right? So I've always been anti removal because of that. Um, I think that when we start to implement mindfulness and the Zen zones and talking, right? We're actually finding out what's going on with kids. What is really the issue here? And that's something that we have to kind of break through with teachers. A lot of times when we work with teachers, it's how do I deescalate? How do I stop this from happening? Well, this is how you get to the root of it. You use mindfulness techniques. You connect with your students in a real way and you give them a place to feel safe and that the behavior problems will start to decrease. Sometimes that's a really hard like barrier to overcome for teachers because they're very, very busy. They're stressed out. There's a lot going on, especially this year um, in particular with the pandemic. So just to tell them you have to start to do these things when everything feels normal and it'll stop the behavior issues can be a challenge. Um, but definitely once you start to implement that, you start to kind of learn more about the kids on a real level and then you can figure out oh, okay, this kid isn't throwing a chair because they're having an issue with me as an educator. You know, this is a child who heard a loud noise in the classroom and the nervous system response, which is kicked in and it created that fight reaction that is a completely normal response to abnormal situations. So when we implement systems that teach them how to self-regulate their nervous system and control their emotions, they're able to respond in a different way. So it will, as we see in this school and in other schools, just change the way kids are behaving and you won't need to suspend. And also just to chime in quickly on the disproportionate rate we see of suspension for kids uh, that are black and brown. I mean, we notice, like for me, that's really passionate. A lot of the schools that we work with with the Namaste Project are predominantly um, minority, you know, as they like to say. And it's these biases that sometimes we're unaware of that I've worked through that other people, you know, we have to sort through on our tendency to look at different behaviors based on the way the kids present physically. So I think when we implement mindfulness, we also address that other underlying issue that we see a lot in education, um, where sometimes through fault and sometimes through no fault of their own, um, the teachers and the staff are disciplining in different ways for different kids. And the other improvement that um, we haven't touched on besides behavioral improvement is testing, academic performance, right? So that's one of the main things people, the school systems want to see, right? Is an increase in testing and achievement. And so if children are able to be calm and focus, you've actually created an environment where they can actually learn, which is the whole point of school. Right. We can't even get to that because we're so busy dealing with the behavior issues, but just simple breathing techniques. Like I always talk about, um, you know, a lot of children have test anxiety. I used to suffer from test anxiety as a student and just learning how to breathe like alternate nostril breathing or box breath can bring down, calm down the nervous system so they can sit down and take their test without that anxiety. Or, you know, maybe they're not thinking about what's going on at home and they can actually focus on their schoolwork. And so that is just an improvement in itself that, you know, if you're looking at the government or whoever who wants to see hardcore evidence of this whole mindfulness program, does it work? Yeah, 
look at the testing scores, look at the academic achievement of schools that incorporate a mindfulness program as opposed to those that don't. So that's another key factor that you can really see with this mindfulness program. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, building on that, I, I mentioned that the uh, Wellness for Educators is doing a permission to feel book study um, by Mark Brackett. He's the head of the Yale Emotional Intelligence Lab. And one of the things that he mentions is, especially with test anxiety or things like that, um, that anybody is fearful of, that if you acknowledge it and you identify it and you talk about it. So we were talking about it yesterday in our book study group and they were talking about test anxiety and they said, well, maybe if all of the students get together and really talk about how they're feeling and realize that they're not alone in this fear of testing. Cause I like you, Kaylee was like super, super nervous going into every single test, even though I studied my butt off, but it was just, you know, every single time I'd freak myself out and would not do well. And so you know, something like that, where you acknowledge the fact that, you know, I'm not alone in this. Uh, and, uh, you know, other people are feeling the same way. And we're going to go into this and we're going to breathe through it. And, and having those strategies like you're talking about with mindfulness and meditation, uh, it, it's, it's so important to really bolster students as well as the educators. I mean, you know, testing time is, is also a stressful time for the educators too. So, um, one of the questions that I had as a follow-up is how is the buy-in for both the administrators, but also for the teachers in programs like this? I think it's similar to um, a lot of things that you bring into a school, right? You're always going to have like your resistors and your people who just don't want to do like another new thing. Um, part of our programming when we do full partnerships, because we offer so many different kinds of um, support for schools, is leadership guidance in that area. Like how can we strategically identify the staff members in your school that are going to be the leaders? Like, oh, can we get, you know, Kaylee Arnold on board? Because everyone does what she does. And then once she buys in, everyone else will start doing it. So that's kind of something we work through with school leaders. And I think it's also a little bit of an easier buy-in than say when we bring in, when schools bring in like a whole new math program, right? Or teachers are like, oh man, another new curriculum. I, I was that teacher. I was like, man, we just learned how to use reading eggs. Now I got to learn how to use this other program. Um, it's frustrating as an educator, right? Because we're just, we just want to do our job and we want to see the long-term effects. And a lot of times schools will bring in one thing after the other, after the other. It's really hard to measure what's working when you have all these new initiatives. But we find that educators have good feedback about the programming here um, because it's not really hard to implement this stuff into your classroom and the results can be immediate. I mean, if you don't see it that very minute, you're going to see it very quickly. Whereas other programming that we may bring in, which can be amazing um, for academics and behavior, sometimes take a little bit longer. And then also because we have the teachers, we train the trainer. We're like, hey, you guys learn to breathe, you learn to meditate, and we'll come in and do yoga classes, but we'd love for the PE teacher to learn to do it. 
they feel that benefit. Like, you know, you have an educator who sits down and spends five to 10 minutes breathing with their kids. They're like, oh, wow, today was awesome. So it's a little easier on buy-in. Um, we find, and I've seen from my experience as a school leader than other programs where they're like, I see no benefit yet. This takes three years for academic gains. You know, we, a lot, we're, we're a culture of immediate response. So this is something where you do get immediate response. So it does have a little more buy-in in my opinion. Jenny, as a, as a leader, um, when you started bringing mindfulness into your school, how was the buy-in uh, when you first started out six years ago? So at first, you know, I had some teachers that had been there quite a while and I was the new principal and um, they would question, but when they would see several of the students that were super high needs, starting to self-calm, self-regulate, and, and just see that they were able to bring themselves down all by themselves. They were like, holy moly, we wanna, we wanna drink that Kool-Aid. And um, I know that for me, after starting to see it, I wanted everybody to do it. It feels good, you need to do it, everybody needs to do it. Um, then I kind of got into kid yoga and I actually volunteered to take training and I taught, I taught PE classes all day long just to, you know, kind of break it in. And then they were like, wow, these kids are like loving this and we need to dig in deeper. So I agree with Danielle that buy-in is easy when the results come super quick. And also when the adult can feel the results, not just see the results in the kids. So I think the, of course with me, it's, you know, this is great and we're going to do this. And if you don't want to do it, then <laughs> hit the road. But I, I don't understand how other administrators don't want to buy in when they see the results and hear the results and feel the results. I feel like Jenny and I have the same principling. Like, I'm like, oh, you don't like it? Okay, there's, you can leave, <laughs> you know? Like, I really, and I think that that's, um, I like that leadership style. Cause you know, when you're building a culture and you're changing a culture in a school, it, people have to either get on the bus or they have to go somewhere else. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. And I, and I, I, I love that you're just like, ah, you know, there's 12 other schools or something in our district, so you can go there. <laughs> Same, same. I think it's a, it's a good leadership style. And like Danielle said, especially when you're trying to shift a whole culture and, and also just better the whole entire environment um, for everybody involved, I think it's important. And I think too, the other thing is that the students are probably going to take this home and bring it to their families as well. Um, you know, if you're not already doing something where there's family and caregiver support in this regard too. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to comment on on that um, connection too, just because we know how important that is as well for student support. Yeah, our videos do that, Kaylee. Don't you always recommend that? Yes, in fact, even the the current school we're working with right now, there I give them homework. So we have um, every other week we have a small group of social emotional learning activities, and at the end of them, whatever we taught their homework is to teach that to at least one other person 
so their mom, sibling, cousin. And it's so funny because I see them, you know, for the next lesson. And I'm like, so who did you teach? Well, I taught my cousin breathing and he really needed it. And, you know, and it's just so funny because the kids start to see, well, they start to realize who in their family or who in their group needs meditation or breathing and they'll like single them out and they're like and I was like yeah and you need this and you're gonna feel so much better and they become like the authority and it's so cute to watch the transition of them becoming the teacher to the adults around them so it's really beautiful that's one part of it I always put for the homework I'm like remember you have to teach at least one person be breathing this week you know and it's great and they're and they're seeing their family respond and it makes them feel good about it because they're like we say spreading the calm right to those around them so yeah it's a beautiful thing to see awesome thanks so much for sharing so danielle and kaylee i would love for you to talk a little bit more about the services that you offer i know you started talking a little bit about it as we were talking through the other questions but would love to hear more about those services sure um so we we have a variety of different partnership styles. So every school is different, right? So we have some schools, like if I was going to work with Jenny's school, I'd be like, you guys are killing it. You, you don't need us to come in and teach you how to bookend your day. Maybe we can offer just yoga classes, right? From some of our kids, um, teachers, but we do work a lot with schools who are kind of there in the middle. They're like, I just want to get started. Um, so a lot of our programming is around teaching the educators and not just them, but like, I feel like anyone who interacts with children. So we're like, please bring your cafeteria, your bus, anyone you can bring them. Um, first, how to understand the science behind why kids act the way they act, right? There's always a reason why a child is misbehaving. No six-year-old just wakes up and is like, I'm going to be a jerk to everyone today just for the heck of it, right? There, Something's going on. So we explain like trauma response. We teach them how the brain works, the nervous system. Um, this is where Dr. Arnold is like killing it with all her medical background. You know, she comes in with all of the the science behind why adults and kids act certain ways. Um, so that's something that we really try to get every school if they already haven't done a trauma response, trauma informed type of training to come in and understand it because understanding the why before you, the what is really critical for adults to start to implement things. Um, and then we do a, we love to do similar to what Jenny's school is doing. How can you implement a start your day and end your day or sometime midday practice that the whole school does together. Um, be it breath work, chair yoga, a couple of little movements to release energy. Um, so we train the staff on how to do that, how to implement it throughout their day. And then we will also work with mostly behavioral intervention people, things like that on how to work with those kids that are kind of in the tier two and tier three, right? So the whole school should be doing mindfulness, but then we'll have kids that need that extra support. So um, how can you de-escalate? How can you teach social emotional learning? Um, our, all of our curriculum and all of our programming is built around the standards that our, most schools are using now through, um, through CASEL, right? So there's self-awareness, uh, responsible decision-making, all of these things. So everything that we build comes around that. So they're already using this, hopefully in some area in social emotional learning. So we just kind of come in and teach them how to use breathing and meditation and mindfulness. And um, I know Dr. Arnold probably add to this, our goal isn't to be with a school for 10 years. Our goal is to come in and to teach you how to do this in a year or two and then to leave. 
Um, and I know that that seems like kind of a crazy business model, right? Like we don't want you, you to be with us forever, but we don't, we want to teach you how to run this program on your own, in your own school, how to be amazing at being mindful meditation, yoga, people, how to get your whole school culture shifted, see academic gains, have kids feeling good, lower the discipline, have your teacher retention, right? Like teachers leave most of them within five years have them be happier at work. So they stay, so they can become better educators. Like, right, all of these things are impacted for, by mindfulness programs. And then to leave and go to another school and help them. Um, so that's really a big thing for us is training the trainers. Uh, we do work directly with kids, but our goal really is to get the adults doing, knowing what we know and doing what we do on their own. Yes. And the other thing that we do is we design, we help schools design Zen zone. So I will go in, look at the space, do a build out, helping them pick out everything from the colors, the textures that they need to have, what fidget toys, music, books, whatever they need to build out a Zen zone. Then we also do Zen zones for the teachers and staff, right? So you guys can have a place where you can go and de-escalate as well. And then also calming corners, sometimes schools will want just a common corner in the classroom. So those are things that we do to really try to help them transition from that. Instead of going to in-school suspension, they go to, you know, the Zen zone to deescalate. So really trying to phase that out of the school. The other thing we do, we offer modules on anti-racism. I have a friend, Dr. Jill Wiener, who offers anti-racism. She has been studying and working in that space for over the last 10 years and just came out with a book. And uh, we love working with her because not only was she a physician that went to India and studied meditation, but she also incorporates things like tapping and for people to deal with the difficult emotions behind race. Like how can you deal with that? And she does that through meditation and tapping and her modules are amazing. And so we have that as an add-on if a school requests that, or if we feel like they might be a school that will benefit from them, we'll offer that. But I think that's another service that um, is really needed, especially at this time. And, and it's, it's hard to find a good source right now because it's like I said, it's become like a buzzword and everyone's kind of getting on this train. Um, but she has been someone who's been in that space for a long time. And I love the way that she kind of marries emotion and how to deal with those emotions through meditation and tapping. So we also offer that, offer that service as well. And then lastly, like Danielle said, we just started offering uh, like a la carte yoga classes so we contracted um, five, I think we have five yoga teachers now um, who are kids certified. And so some schools, even though we want to give them the whole mindfulness program, they're like, we just want yoga for the kids. And we kept getting that. And we were like, but we want to teach teachers yoga. And they're like, no, we want someone to just come in. So we finally just gave in. And so we have this beautiful staff of kids certified yoga teachers who, you know, will offer a school a package of however many classes that they can have, like these 45 minute yoga classes for their children. So those, we offer those services as well. <laughs> and our teachers are, we we're really big on diversity within our own staff, you know, as women of color, we were like, and working in schools that are mostly minority um, based in their staff, as well as their students, we were like, we want kids to see teachers that look like them. So we've hired a diverse group of women and men. Um, so we're like, we want to have like 
um, a white guy, a black guy, an Asian guy. We want everybody. We want all, and we want men and women to work with these kids because representation is so important. And then we have schools who just really want to do their own thing. So we have like a nice package of videos that we'll do where they can play a, a video every morning, do their mindful moment on their own um, and curriculum. And we're like, hey, we want to hang out with you guys, but we know sometimes it doesn't fit into your already scheduled thing. And, and our goal, of course, is just to spread this as much as possible. So that's why we've worked through a variety of um, different programming. We have an e-course as well that goes through mindfulness, meditation, and yoga for parents and teachers um, that we have really been working with um, a great consultant on kind of incorporating a little bit more to get it where it can count as CEUs right now. It doesn't, but that should be coming soon. So, you know, really like, hey, you're a school, you want mindfulness. Um, how can we help you? We're going to find a way for you to start doing this with your kids because we really know to change the world, we got to kind of get at the kids early. Um, I think that one of you guys mentioned a quote about that before we got started. Um, but really, if we could just impact these children, just think it might take some time, you know, but just think about how nice it would be to have a lot of people riding around who aren't going to like, you know, cuss you out when the, you, you accidentally don't turn your blinker on, right? So that's our goal. Let's get this in as many schools as possible. So that way, maybe in like 20 years, everyone will be nicely, you know, waiting for someone to go on the highway. <laughs> right. I think the quote was, it's easier to build up a child than it is to repair an adult. So definitely starting young is, is going to be the important part. I'd love to wrap up our conversation to have each of you share with our audience, what is your go-to mindfulness meditation practice? Um, well, for me, I meditate every day, twice a day. Um, I practice transcendental meditation um, and that's through a program. I'm working on my master's in Ayurvedic and integrative medicine. And so that is part of our curriculum, which for me has been life-changing um, just for my nervous system, for everything, even before I was meditating for 10 years prior to this, but the TM kind of takes me to the next level. So I do that twice a day. And then I have a, a gratitude journal, which I typically will either do in the morning um, like three things I'm going to be grateful for to this day, or I'll do it at the evening. I'll just write down three you know, beautiful things that happened to me that day. And, and then I practice yoga daily. And then that doesn't necessarily mean vinyasa. Sometimes it's yin. Um, sometimes it is a, a, you know, a workout if I really need it, but there's always breathwork and meditation in there as well. So basically journaling, meditation, yoga, all the things. <laughs> Kaylee's like my goal because um, she's she's blessed in her time. I feel like as a parent, sometimes I don't have the space to do all of that. Um, though that is ideally when things are are easy for me at home and work as similar. But um, when I'm super busy with my two kids, they they take up so much time. <laughs> They're cute though, so it's worth it. Um, sometimes I only can meditate for five minutes, and that's that works for me. So I really like to let know. I work with moms a lot, and I'm like you guys just breathe for two minutes, you know? So I try to meditate briefly in the morning and in the evening. Um, I also journal. I think journaling is so huge. And I know we didn't talk a lot about that, but that is a practice we teach a lot. And I, I think that um, any adult who wants to just be more mindful, just taking three or four minutes a day to write down how you feel is huge um, in your mindfulness practice. 
And I, I practice yoga vinyasa probably like twice a week now because of COVID. I used to do it way more, but I do at least 10 minutes of yin, which is just simply laying on the floor and stretching um, every night with my daughter. Um, she loves to stretch. She's got goals to get into full splits. So we're stretching and doing yin um, every night because of that. But yeah, um, if I have the space, 30 minute meditations are my sweet spot, but sometimes it's only five. And, and I think that that's where I give myself some compassion. I used to really beat myself up about that, but now I'm just like, Hey, it makes a difference this little bit and it's what you can fit in your day. And that will be enough for you. And, and it really does help. I agree. I would love to be in the, the ideal area, but Grace is wonderful and being kind to yourself, but I get up early every morning and, and either do a mindfulness practice or a meditation. And, um, I am actually working on my 200 hour yoga certification. So I am practicing yoga a whole lot right now <laughs> and practice teaching adults, which is out of my comfort zone, but, um, having that time and being able to meditate and practice yoga and being kind to myself is, is priceless. Thank you all so much for being here and sharing your experiences around mindfulness and meditation programs for schools. You are doing great things with the Namaste Project and I'm looking forward to seeing more things and, and also partnering with you in, in ways moving forward. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for more episodes of Wellness for Educators podcast.